fellow children of God, happy Sunday. You can say happy Sunday back if you want. Happy Sunday. All right, never forget that Sunday's a holiday. Every single Sunday is a little Easter. That's important to me. Again, I'm Nathan Dannison, interim pastor here, and I'm new at this. I'm going to make some goofs and some mistakes, and I'm grateful for your patience with me as I learn and adapt myself to the traditions of this amazing church here at St. John's. But as I am to preach a word this morning, hopefully one that can touch you, and I know one that has changed my heart, I'd like to begin in prayer. And so, kinfolk, let's pray. Almighty Creator, I simply pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts and minds will be pleasing and acceptable unto Thee, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, it is famously and uh, somewhat notoriously difficult to pastor a church that you grew up in. Now, it's not impossible, but it's hard. I have uh, two dear colleagues who currently serve uh, parishes where they grew up. And uh, God love them, one of them is standing in his own father's shadow when he preaches. I mean, seriously, his dad was the senior minister of that church for nigh on 20 years. The reason it's hard to pastor the church where you grew up is, is I think, twofold. The first, and I think probably most importantly, it is really hard to take spiritual direction from a little kid. Now, it shouldn't be hard, as we just heard. And Jesus says that, in fact, we have to learn how to see with the eyes of children if we have any hope at all of entering into His kingdom. Now, I pay, now personally, and you could try this too, but I pay very very close attention to what little kids have to say about God. And I listen closely to their prayers. I think that the prayers of children are immediate to the ears of God. But little kids, as wonderful as they are, they're, they're not exactly the best at uh, administration and public leadership. Little kids are notoriously bad at balancing budgets. Uh, or uh, uh, managing spreadsheets. I think there's probably a good sermon in there somewhere too about spreadsheets and budgets, but it can be hard to take spiritual direction from a little kid. And that's what many longtime parishioners see when they look at an adult who grew up in their church. They see a little kid. Now they don't mean to. They don't do it intentionally. But they do it for the same exact reason that my older brother, who I love, I see him maybe twice a year, and every time I do, he licks his fingers and he sticks them in my ears. In his eyes, I am 10 years old. And in my eyes, he's 18 years old. And I can't stand him, but I love him. Now I can take umbrage at this behavior. Say, Excuse me, Charles, I am a man possessed of 38 years, and this is extraordinarily unprofessional of you. And, uh, you know, I'm an important adult person. Uh, and he's going to hear his 10-year-old little brother crying for mom. The second reason it's hard to pastor the church you grew up in is because you can't ever really go home. 
let me explain this a little bit more. Uh, one of my favorite writers, Ursula K. Le Guin, she wrote um, that, in fact, you can go home so long as you remember that home is a place that you've never been. In other words, when you return from your prodigal wanderings, as I have so recently uh, uh, occasioned myself, you got to remember that home isn't what it was when you left. Okay? This is going to become important because we're all of us preparing to come home in a very real and physical way from two years of prodigal wandering in a wilderness. In your eyes, perhaps, home church is a certain way. It's the way you grew up, maybe. It's a good, warm place. But when you're a little kid in a church, you never really saw how the sausage got made. Not really, and now you've come back and you're in charge of the kitchen. I got a little bit of this. So I, I grew up around here, uh, mainly on the south side of the county. Uh, I went to college in Kalamazoo, okay? Now you think maybe Kalamazoo isn't that far away, but an hour and a couple of zip codes is pretty sufficient to get yourself a fresh start if you need one. And I needed one. Uh... You may be surprised to hear this, but I was not exactly the most innocent and well-behaved young person as a high schooler. Um, I was hanging on to some juvenile uh, tendencies. Uh, don't ask around too much about that. But now I've returned here to Grand Rapids, the Grand Rapids area. I've returned, and I do. I see some folks occasionally that I saw as a teenager. God help them. I knew them as a teenager when I was not fully formed. I was not a reasonable creature possessed of his best abilities yet. At some point in the future, God help me, they might wander into this very church on a Sunday morning. And uh, uh, they're going to they're gonna whisper to each other, Is that Django up there? Is that Danison? It looks just like him. But he put on a little weight. <laughs> Did he take to preaching? That is wild. Well, they say that to Jesus today, don't they? They say that exact thing about Jesus in today's gospel lesson. Isn't that Jesus up there? the head of the synagogue. Jesus is trying his best to deliver a good word in his hometown. But then they say, it, is that Joe's kid up there? What on earth is he doing? Remember when he accidentally burned down that ox barn? That's him all right. I remember he was 12 years old. He fell, he fell out of a tree right in the middle of town. Whatever goofy memories they have of Jesus as a boy. But he's now a man. He's 33 years old, Jesus of Nazareth. They're hung up on who he was. So much so, in fact, that they can't see who he is. And they certainly can't hear a word he's saying. They can't hear him. And the reason that they can't hear him is because in their head they think they've got him pegged. Ah, oh, yeah. That's Joe's boy, all right, up there. And I know all about him. You know his mom, Mary, was uh, pregnant with him before they were married? Now, I think Joe did the right thing by her. I suppose he still married her, but did you know that she gave birth in a cow shed? She did. Then they uh, heard they up and disappeared for, for years when he was a baby. Ran off south someplace, I think Egypt or something. Yep. 
Now he's running around with these Galileans and tax collectors and prostitutes. And uh, that's what I said, prostitutes. That's Joe's kid, all right. See, in their minds today, they don't have to listen to him. They've got him all figured out. I really love Matthew Henry's commentary about this verse. And if you read Matthew Henry, God bless you, it is flowery, heavy stuff. But there's some kind of wry self-awareness in some of this. He writes, this is a couple hundred years ago, Matthew Henry writes, Ordinarily it holds good that ministers are seldom so acceptable and successful in their own country as among strangers. Familiarity in the younger years breeds a contempt. The advancement of one that was an inferior begets envy, and men will hardly set those among the guides of their souls whose fathers they were ready to set with the dogs of their flocks. Okay. Now, in other words, we think we can judge a person by the status of their parents, or the money in their pocket, or the letters, or lack of letters after their name. Folks, this is all assumptions, and they're bad. I think that this sort of thing goes on a lot today, unfortunately, especially in uh, political conversations. Oh, Lord, don't get political in your first sermon in the pulpit, Pastor Nathan. But some folks out there today just think that there's these two teams, and you're either on one team or the other team, and if my team wins, your team loses. When they say, oh, I've got him all figured out. He's a conservative. Like, it's a diagnosis. Oh, typical liberal. This stuff makes me nuts because nobody's actually listening to what the other people are saying because they've got this mentality. It makes me feel alienated because I was raised by a man uh, who uh, is now uh, gone to his rest, a sainted man who every year on the same exact day he renewed his membership in the NRA and the ACLU. You try that on for size. But they've decided today, some folks in our communities, that I'm one way or the other. There's no political party in this country for people who really want to listen to each other, honestly. I'm, I'm kind of wandering here a little bit. Okay, the point is, but today in the gospel, as soon as they see Jesus Christ, they've got him all figured out. While it's obviously quite frustrating for Jesus, the only people that they're really hurting is themselves. When this same story is told in the Gospel of Mark, it is made very plain. It says that after they wouldn't listen to him, quote, he could do no deeds of power there. End quote. Mark doesn't say that he got that Jesus got offended at the way they were treating him, so he chose not to do any deeds of power. But it says he could not do any deeds of power. He was without his power to heal. All because they wouldn't listen to him. End up hurting themselves. Well, friends, when we refuse to listen to each other because we've already made up our minds about someone, when we simply stop listening to people because of our assumptions, we close ourselves off from an opportunity for healing. And I think often it's the very healing that we need most. The healing that could come perhaps from that very person. We shut out the work of the Holy Spirit. 
We close off opportunities for community, relationships. All because we think we've got Joe's kid all figured out. Well, this week, um, here's what I'm going to do. You can do so if you'd like. I'm going to try to be a little bit more curious about the people I meet. Not quite so much making assumptions about who they might be based on my first impressions. Let's try not to make broad assumptions about people based on one or two characteristics. Let's listen to the voices that might be speaking to us from the margins of our relationships. Because I really think that it will benefit us personally. It is true, in fact, that our salvation really is bound up in one another. We listen, listen carefully. And I have it on very good authority that the Creator will make manifest power, miracles, healing in the small hurting places in our own lives. That's all right there in the Bible. That's what it says. And I've seen it. I really have. Amen? Amen.